the voice of ESG. Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in. Today we are going to talk about digital landscape from a governance perspective in the podcast series The Voice of ESG. This podcast series is part of the RSM ISP services. ISP, which stands for International Service Practice. We at RSM offer a wide range of services in the field of tax, consulting and audit. Today, we'll be exploring the various facets of DORA and how financial organizations can enhance their ICT risk management and operational resilience frameworks. And we will do this with my colleague Marlene Jans. She will be giving a perspective from a governance lens and how management can contribute to ICT-related resilience. Hello, Marlene. Hello, Moat. Great to be here. Thank you. May I introduce to you, dear listeners, by the way, my colleague Morat Segir, because he should also introduce himself, right? <laughs> yes, good point, Marlene. So, hello, everybody. My name is Murat, and I am an assistant manager with RSM. I am focused in the fields of technology and risk and compliance. And what I'm trying to do here is trying to build a bridge between the technology world and the legacy world and trying to connect the innovations with also risks that come with innovations. And this is exactly what we will be talking about. And that's why I have you here, Malene, to represent the legacy world. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Oh boy, no pressure. Um, yes, indeed. My name is Marlene Jans. I'm a director in the area of corporate governance and culture here at RSM in the Netherlands. And we um, are very much aware that transitions or changes of any kind in our organizations cannot go uh, um uh, without uh, go governance perspectives and go governance elements. And we have um, acknowledged, we've seen uh, frequently that a strong governance uh, can be a strong backbone for, for organizations and can therefore um, facilitate also uh, strong instructions and strong introductions of new legislation. And DORA, um, Digital Operational Resilience Act, is um, a very demanding change, if I might say that, because um, it will be very challenging. And uh, let us tell you more about that. Malena, you have a vast experience in the financial sector, right? And um, well, you guys can't see Malena right now, but she's smiling. <laughs> the answer is yes. Come she on. has a vast. <laughs> she has a vast experience. And um, well, when we are talking about risks and uh, about a robust financial institution, I am not that old, but I can remember that when I went to school that there was a financial crisis going on. How did that happen? Can you give us a brief yeah, a brief explanation of, of how that happened and what, what the role of governance was there and how that can intersect with digital uh, operational resilience? Yes, indeed. I, uh, I will give it a try. 
Uh, we had a financial sector crisis in 2008-2009 and uh, we saw that uh, large banks collapsed, uh, people uh, lost their houses. Uh, it had a huge financial impact in uh, economic stability uh, on a global level, so that was really huge. And we saw at that time that there was a very strong focus on uh, earning money rather than having a resilient and a robust financial sector in place. And when you focus too much on uh, your shareholder interests, so to say, instead of your stakeholder interests, then uh, you cannot keep a right balance and uh, you will make wrong investments and stuff. So that was one of the elements, but also another reason for building more resilience from a digital point of view for the financial sector can be seen, can be as a result actually of further digitization of the financial sector, especially after COVID. Everyone is using uh, uh, all kinds of systems and services and uh, uh, fintech applications, etc. So uh, cyber risks are went, went sky high. Uh, privacy has become more an issue and you can see that the financial sector is still vulnerable due to some legacy systems so all in all you can see that um, for management um, well we are expecting a lot more from daily management today than we did several years ago yeah so it, it all boils boils down to risk right definitely and yes. with more use of ICT and more use of data in finance that also means more risk yeah I, but also yeah. taking a controlled risks because you cannot do any business without taking risks the question is are you very are you really aware of all risks and are you willing uh, to to uh, are you prepared yeah, and you, you you mentioned COVID. You yeah. mentioned working from home. Yeah. Um, I think another important uh, increase in risks are the attacks that we see from North Korea, <laughs> but also a result Russia. of the, the the war with yeah. Ukraine and Russia, right? Definitely. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that gives a a good background on why a a digital uh, operational resilience act is uh, is needed, right? Yeah. So. A, a brief introduction in today's topic is the uh, is the DORA, right? The Digital yes, Operational indeed, indeed. Resilience Act. And, and, and if I may add in this, um, one of the reasons for DORA is that the European Commission wants to have a strong, resilient financial sector throughout the entire EU. Yeah. So it's a kind of standardization of it's, all... It's part of a digital finance yes. strategy yeah, yeah, in the digital finance package. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned uh, also data privacy, right? Right. Mm. So do, the DORA, it, it complements uh, two existing pieces of legislation, right? It, mm -hmm. it complements the GDPR on the data side of things, mm -hmm. but it also complements an existing directive on network and information security, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the, the scope and the significance of DORA is pretty um, significant. Yeah. Um, and, and why is this? Because the, the scope of DORA, it's directed towards all financial institutions. And what this means is that a financial institution is not identified as something that looks like a uh, financial institution, but more on what type of services and products do you offer. Yeah, and that's and, a difference. And that's the difference, yeah. That yeah. could deem you as a financial institution. But also the vendors that are 
providing services to financial institutions. Yeah. Think of cloud providers. Think yes. of uh, of service hosting, right? Mm-hmm. So these all have a uh, significant impact on financial institutions. And that's why they also fall under scope, right? Yeah. Um, the reason why I asked you about 2008 is because there was a huge governance problem back then. Yeah. And the thing is that they, uh, the, the governance problem was mainly solved through legislation, but there, was no legis- there is no legislation about uh, digital finance. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly why I wanted you here. <laughs> so we could explore uh, the, the, the governance implications of this fast uh, regulation. Right? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So let's first break uh, Dora down. Instead of going into all of the requirements, I kind of want to segment them, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to keep in mind that governance and organization is at its center when you are looking at these pillars. So the main uh, main pillars are ICT risk management framework, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The second one is incident management of ICT with classification and reporting of these incidents. The third pillar is the digital operational resilience testing provisions. Right. Right. And after that, briefly mentioned earlier, are the vendors, right? So the third party provider risk management. Yeah. And lastly, the information sharing provisions. Mm -hmm. Right. So... I think uh, we can dive straight into it, uh, Marlene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's let's start with with risk management, right? The first pillar. Mm-hmm. So with the risk management, what it asks of these uh, financial institution is to have policies and procedures in place to minimize risk management, to recognize risks in the form of detection, but also in the form of prevention, right? I, I agree, but I think we should um, uh, take one step back because it starts with the definition of your risk appetite. And, um, well, the definition of your risk appetite is already a technical one because are you do you have all your possible risks in scope and do you have a clear view on which risks you are willing to take and possible impact when they emerge? So um, the, the definition of your risk appetite statement will need a little bit of more of attention. Right, and this uh, risk appetite statement is a uh, overarching document of yeah. the whole business, right? That's so it, what it's it the, should be. It's yes. the, that's what it should be, yes. <laughs> Interesting that you say that. So it, it should contain actually all of the, uh, the, the, the business operations mm-hmm. and how you think that those business operations will affect your organization yeah. and what risks you want to take and what risks you don't want to take, right? Indeed. Indeed. So if I hear you correctly, this ICT risk uh, framework uh, provision of DORA is not something that you have to attack separately, but it's something no. that you have to abet throughout the whole business line. Yes, it cannot be a separate pillar anymore. It cannot be regarded as a separate kind of tooling or like using your laptops and your office equipment. It's way much more. And what does this mean, right? So imagine that I want to start a, uh, I I want to start 
a financial institution mm -hmm. and I hear that I have to have all types of capital uh, requirements I have to have prudential requirements mm -hmm. uh, there is a uh, supervision uh, financial act in the Netherlands right um, how can I embed this effectively uh, throughout my whole organization this ICT risk management framework you will have to prepare an integrated risk assessment um, in Dutch, it's also called CIRA, but that's a different one. And um, uh, then if you integrate the, um, all these risks in your risk assessment, you can also see where your control measures should be improved, where you might need possible additional investments, for instance, where your tooling might lead to uh, significant risks and um, where you should uh, uh, improve pretty fast. And uh, for instance, talking also about risk frameworks is also talking about people and risk awareness within your organization. So um, there's a lot to do. In fact, I mean, there you how you will have to step up in every area of your company, I'd say. So if I may s summarize this, this point of uh, b both our inputs, right, is that, um, well, it, it, it should start by learning learning and improvement, being aware of the risks. And after that, uh, especially for the management body, it's important to ensure that there are appropriate governance structures and frameworks in place, including the overarching policies and procedures that also embed ICT risks, right? Yeah, for sure. It, and it, business continuity, because indeed. that's also a very important uh, topic to discuss. And it all comes down, actually, to taking ownership. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, that, that's a good point, that's a good point. So, um, the, the second pillar of, of DORA is also something that financial institutions should not be fairly new with, and that is the uh, handling and management of incidents. And in this respect, it is the uh, handling of ICT uh, incidents, yeah. right? So... It, th th there are a couple of provisions when we are talking about uh, the ICT-related incident management. So th there's a process, uh, there's a classification, and there's reporting of these threats, right? Mm -hmm. And why I mentioned that it should not be something new for these organizations is that in, in financial sectors, there's also a um, there's also a provision, right, for where you have to report unusual transactions yeah. for example yeah. in the and area of money laundering in the uh, area yeah. of money laundering yeah. exactly yeah. and that is tr also throughout a, a, a three lines model mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right so mm -hmm. could you take me through how this could also look like for ICT related incident uh, uh, reporting um, yes let's give it a try Indeed, uh, for if, if you uh, are dealing with, with incident re uh, and um, and, and in, in relation to your three lines, um, for sure it will have to be clear in your first line uh, uh, levels uh, what uh, roles and, re and responsibilities uh, are, are defined and um, how do you deal with incidents? Do you have your protocols in place? And um, do you have also uh, in, in place what happens if your protocols are not being followed? 
because that's an incident based on an incident, so to say, if I may call it like that. So the controls have to be yes, in place. Yes, indeed, your controls have to be in place. So is your testing in order of the controls? And are you sure that everyone is working in compliance with the, uh, the agreements that have been made, with the procedures that have been defined? Um, talking about your second line part and on, on incident handling, there you will see first that, uh, for instance, your, your risk management and your compliance officer, your compliance officer will focus on um, a check of your if your processes are properly defined, are fully in line with laws and regulations and also your internal standards. And if the processes are executed in the right way, um, and then, uh, well, talking and uh, now focusing on DORA-specific elements and in IT-related incidents, that will also require more technical know-how in your within your compliance department to make sure that you can see that the incidents have been handled in the right way. So an immediate uh, action point that you defined for management is to look at your organization to yeah. see whether you are capable yes. of detecting these threats, but also handling these threats yes. throughout your three lines of defense model. Yes. I think... Uh, Because now we were only talking about first and second line. Of course, the third line, which should provide any assurance or uh, should provide any advice for improvement, is your third line properly prepared. And that's, that's your internal audit, right? That's the internal audit. And what happens if internal audit fails? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, well, that's an, an interesting point that you mentioned there. I think also something that uh, financial institutions could look at is a previous uh, published framework by the uh, European Central Bank, and that's Tiber. So the, the threat intelligence-based ethical red teaming uh, framework So that's also an immediate action point that organizations could look at, Yes, right? indeed, indeed. Mm. All right, so the third pillar of DORA, Malena, that's uh, the digital operational resilience testing. Mm -hmm. So briefly, what it entails is that financial institutions are obliged to do scenario testings, but also to see what are the critical elements and processes in my business yeah. that if they fail, right, Mm -hmm. How do I have to, how, how do, what do I need to do mm -hmm. in order to overcome this? Mm -hmm. And ideally, what do I have to do so these systems will never get uh, into trouble? So yeah. that my, every, all my processes work, right? People want to withdraw cash in the ATM yes. if they put their bank card uh, in the ATM, yeah. right? People want to pay in a supermarket mm -hmm. if they use their Apple Pay, for example, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you can imagine. Um, tremendous amount of scenarios and uh, do you have with your scenario planning all these scenarios in scope and uh, do you have the right people in place to define the possible consequences of those uh, um, of those scenarios and can you do some testing exercises in this area and the testing control testing will be crucial indeed it's uh, uh, one of the reasons uh, for, for, for Dora and um, you can see now that the testing will also require that it is monitored again and uh, more specifically This requires a stronger focus from your management, from your senior management, because you will need to evidence uh, that you are um, uh, on top of your controls, on top of your control testing, on top of your monitoring. And 
what are you doing with the outcome if things seem not to be okay? Yeah, that's actually exactly what is expected of you. So if if we look at the legislation, right, it, it asks you for an establishment, uh, maintenance and review of a sound and comprehensive testing program, right? Yeah. And this yeah. needs to be an integral part yes. of the ICT risk management framework that is in turn, again, part yeah. of your whole yes. organizational strategy and framework for identifying risks, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, uh, providing evidence that uh, you have everything in scope and that you're working uh, appropriately and you're dealing with uh, any any dilemmas or mistakes or incidents that pop up, the evidencing will be important, also in discussion with your external supervisors, of course. All right. So let's go to the uh, fourth pillar of uh, DORA. And the fourth pillar, as uh, briefly mentioned earlier in the introduction, is the is managing ICT third-party risks, right? So we talked about, well, what happens when your Apple Pay doesn't work anymore or what happens when a server goes offline and your website doesn't work anymore or your cloud provider leaks any data. For management, it will be crucial to see who will you do business with. For example, the Dora asks for you uh, if you can have contractual arrangements in place, right? Who's responsible for what? Uh, but also, who am I going to conduct business with? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, something that you mentioned in the office to me that I delved into and find very interesting were the uh, guidelines on outsourcing from the European Banking Authority. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. could you uh, kind of give us an, uh, an introduction slash explanation of what is in those uh in those guidelines, because I think that's the crucial part here. Yeah, well, indeed, there's an overlap here in the third-party provider risk management pillar within DORA and the EBI guidelines on on outsourcing, because uh, the outsourcing guidelines also um, require that you have um, a good view on the quality of your third-party providers and that you have specific outsourcing arrangements in place laid down, being evidenced and right way but also that you do some control testing um, at your third party service providers in this area so you can you are entitled to do audits over there and uh, to make sure that you have uh, that your third party services providers are acting in line with the requirements you are facing yourself um so there you can see it's it's in fact similar to what is now required within Dora. It's about being in control within your supply chain, so to say. Yeah. So the responsibility is a big factor here. Yeah. And also ownership and accountability, indeed. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and the contracting part. So there will Definitely, be a lot of yes. legal uh, stuff going on on the background, oh, right? Yeah, for sure. Yes. Um, well, interesting. Procurement department is happy. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, I, I, I can imagine. <laughs> Thank you, uh, uh, Marlene. Um, and the, the last point that, we, uh, that uh, me and Marlene want to touch upon for Dora is the information sharing arrangement. And how you could see this, uh, this, this pillar of Dora is if you use the... the let's use the anti-fragile uh, metaphor, right? So you, you have a box of glass, and you let this box fall, the glass breaks, it means it's fragile, right? Mm. If you have a box with glass and you let this fall and the glass doesn't break, it doesn't mean it's anti-fragile. 
it's just it's, it's just strong glass right but if you have a box and you let it fall and the more you let it fall the the, the, the glass kind of reforms into a diamond, into a, a, a beautiful gem. This means it's anti-fragile. And this is what the information sharing arrangement is trying to achieve here, right? So if you are a financial institution and you, uh, you are under threat or you have uh, experienced a data breach or a hack or whatever, and you share this information in a community kind of a forum-like uh, approach with other financial institutions, it makes finan other finan financial institutions also stronger, right? But some ethical dilemmas that I can immediately identify here is that do financial institutions that are hyper-competitive actually want to do this? But also, what do you leave in and what do you leave out? Yeah. A strong point here indeed. Uh, it will not be easy to turn the financial sector into a diamond. And indeed, uh, you will need a lot of co collaboration and willingness to collaborate uh, from all parties involved. Uh, there will also be a certain level of, of obligation to collaborate um, because you cannot uh, do without it. Um, and I'm... I'm to be honest, I'm not really sure how the external supervisors will step in here in this area. I could imagine that um, they will have strong requirements and they want to see, they really want to have certain evidence that information will be, will be shared in order to build a stronger and robust uh, financial sector in this area. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good good point that you mentioned that, and it's also uh, something that uh, that I've looked into into the past because these uh, yeah these these supervisors right one of them is the European Banking Authority, yeah. they uh, released uh, a a good practice on how you share information right, and mm -hmm. they have this this Moscow framework so that the must share, should share, could share, and won't share, and based on this framework. You can see well what are for the won't share, for example, what are legal uh, legal restrictions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for the could share is the operational effectiveness that could be affected if you if you share that, for example. Yeah. Uh, the should share is something that companies should know about because that will strengthen their uh, operations. But the must share is something, yeah. for example, that that's new in the market. Nobody knows about. No, it's and if they don't know about it, it could pose a huge threat. So I think uh, th these good practices, they also provide kind of a, uh, a path for financial yes, institutions indeed. that they could walk. I'm still missing the um, in the sharing uh, um, of information part. I miss a kind of sharing of ethical dilemmas in this area. Do you have a view on on uh, what can be expected here? Um, yeah, for for the for the ethical dilemmas, that's that's a, a good question. So, what uh, information is deemed? as confidential yeah right is it the the edge that you have mm -hmm. or for example you uh, as an uh, institution financial institution you have experienced something that you will know that it will also hit your competitors mm -hmm. and that will also be the reason why you won't share it right so yeah. is it, that, that could also be a, uh, a ethical dilemma um so that's yeah, something that still work to be done. Yeah, th th there's still work to be done there. Yes, that's a good conclusion. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, really, if we want to turn the financial sector into a diamond, we will have to collaborate, 
I mean, we cannot do uh, go without that. I'm I'm sure about that. Yeah. Hey, Malena, if we uh, if we can conclude um, with where we see bottlenecks for financial institutions, right? Could you kind of give the listener an overview of uh, what they need to look out for? Um, yes, a kind of uh, beware for, so to say. Um, yeah, well, first of all, indeed, may, make sure you have a clear view on the DORA requirements and what does it entail for you. It requires a translation to your specific situation. Uh, the second one is indeed uh, make sure you have a clear overview of, of definitions of, of, of your roles and responsibilities and take ownership. If you do not take real ownership as a management or at supervisory board level, things might go wrong. You will need much more time to repair and there's no time. To, for reparation, I'm sure about that. That that means be proactive, right? Be proactive and start acting now. Make sure you are fully prepared. And I, and I really yeah. want to emphasize this because yeah. cybersecurity is a different animal. Yeah. The thing is with cybersecurity yeah. that yeah. once your data is on the street, yeah. data can be copied infinitely, right? Yeah. So it's not something that someone stole your bike key no. and when you get it back, you know that you're the only one with the bike key. No, yes. your data is forever out there. Yes. So you really have to be proactive. Take it seriously yeah. and yeah. seek help from professionals. Yes, that will be important indeed. Indeed. Another aspect, um, you will not be able to manage what you do not monitor. So make sure you find out what's actually going on in your company and uh, where changes have to be made. Um, and another one, uh, talking about time, is uh, don't hesitate in doing any uh, IT investments that are absolutely required, because if you hesitate too long, you will not have the right people in place, you will not have, have the right tooling in place, you will be, become very vulnerable. Um, just imagine in that area too that timelines could not be made you will not be compliant on time yeah. it will also create an extra vulnerability and also from a competition point of view i don't know if you want to you know, want to go there that's also a risk that you don't want yes. to take right yes indeed yeah. indeed and then talking about the discussion with your ict service providers i think well we made a clear point on that one and i think that's one of the tricky elements in this space it's great that you mentioned timeline, uh, Malena. I think it's it's also good to conclude with what can financial institutions expect from Europe, right? So, in in, in Q one of twenty four, the uh, explanation, the detailed explanation of the technical requirements of DORA will be published, and only a year after that, the DORA will be enforced, yeah. right? So that means that the European supervisory authorities. That are threefold in this case, yes. the European Banking Authority, the ESMA, the Security and Markets Authority, and the EOPA, the uh, Insurance and Occupational Pension Authority. They are the supervisors. Yes. And in 25, you have to be ready. Yes. So that's something to keep in mind. Yes. Hey, Malena, I want to thank you for your insights and for your yeah. contribution. Yeah, I have learned a lot, and I'm sure well, so the listener I. also learned <laughs> a lot. Um, for the listener, Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you could uh, rate this podcast, if you liked it, please do so. And see you the next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.